A reading from Acts, the 16th chapter. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by her fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us around, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owner saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them there before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Word of God, Word of Life. Picking up from where we left off last week, Paul and companions are still with Lydia and her crowd. But this week's reading is full of all sorts of unpleasant things. Enslavement of a child, by the way. Exploitation, again, of that same child. Capitalism and its dirty relationship with the prison industrial complex. Because when the owners of the little girl realize they've lost their meal ticket, they have the men they believe responsible be beaten and imprisoned. And if this was a week like most weeks, I would, have, I would be able to talk about that stuff more and get deeper into the story and maybe even share my own experience of being awoken from a nice, sound sleep by a 7.1 earthquake. Zero out of ten experience, do not recommend. If this were a more normal week, I would be able to talk about how the Jesus story is so compelling, Paul and Silas are able to stop a Roman soldier from killing himself for being a bad soldier, because apparently earthquakes were under the control of people in his position. And then how the soldier converts, he and his family together. And there is much rejoicing and celebration but this has not been a normal week. At a time when the rights of millions to control their reproductive destinies is under attack by SCOTUS and state legislatures, when Sudafed is kept behind the pharmacist's counter 
and we have to de-shoe before we can board a plane. We have, again, suffered another uniquely American slaughter of the innocents. This time in the second deadliest K-12 school shooting, 19 children are dead. Another 17 physically injured. The majority of a single fourth grade class wiped out with their two teachers. The whole school traumatized. It's a story of a student who survived by covering herself in the blood of her classmates and playing dead. Two days later, the husband of one of the teachers died of a broken heart. And their four children, ages 13 to 20, are now orphaned. I said this was the second deadliest shooting. The first was Sandy Hook in December of 2012, nine and a half years ago. Most of the victims were first graders. The shooting in Uvalde, the shooter in Uvalde turned 18 on May 16th, two days after Buffalo, and eight days before he shot his grandmother in the face, then traveled to an elementary school where he slaughtered children and teachers and was killed himself by police who were in the building for over an hour before they finally breached the door of the classroom. A child himself, he was able to legally purchase two assault rifles and hundreds of rounds of ammo in a week. Guns are the number one killer of children up to age 24 in the United States. I saw circulating through social media this week a picture of someone holding a sign at a protest. It read, even clergy think thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Agreed. It is well past time for us to hold our elected officials accountable for the violence and bloodshed happening under their watch by their inaction and votes against legislation that would protect all of us. The other day I found and posted the recording of my sermon from February 18th, 2018, four days after Parkland, the third deadliest K-12 school shooting. At that time, I talked about Columbine. I was a high school freshman. I talked about Sandy Hook and how shortly after I was seeing a middle school student through a school-based counseling program and the school went into lockdown for a suspicious person outside the building. But I didn't have that information until afterwards because I wasn't a school employee, so I couldn't get the phone and email updates in real time like they did. I talked about how accustomed to mass shootings I had become because only a few months before Parkland, Vegas happened. I'd gone to bed that night seeing a notification on my phone about an active shooter, but, you know, whatever. It wasn't until I'd woken up again the morning, the next morning, that I'd realized the deadliest mass shooting had just happened, which supplanted the previous record holder for deadliest mass shooting in the United States in Orlando by about 15 and a half months. Now 10 days after Buffalo, nine days after Laguna Woods, and plenty more, 
more than plenty more, at the end of the Easter season, when we give thanks for baptism and resurrection, new life in the resurrection waters of God after the life-giving waters and blood spilled by our birthing mothers, I'm just beat, emotionally exhausted. So the best I can offer you this morning is what I wrote Wednesday afternoon for the June newsletter. started writing my main piece for this newsletter in the hours before news broke of the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Still in the wake of the shooting at Top Supermarket in Buffalo, which was followed the next day by a shooting at Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods, California. These are not the only shootings to take place between May 14th and May 24th. They were just the best publicized, which makes sense. They happened in public places, a supermarket, a church, a school. However, mass shootings are often intermingled with acts of domestic violence. Gun violence and DV situations also happen frequently at home, and indeed, the Robb Elementary shooter is believed to have shot and killed his grandmother before going to the school, where he wiped out the majority of a single fourth grade class. Like one of my seminary classmates has posted, I too fear that I am running out of tears. That is not proven true this week, but fear. We say, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. But in despair of ongoing violence, I wonder how long God can have mercy on a people who repeatedly fail to act against such evil. In our baptisms or affirmations of, we renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God. We renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God. We proclaim to live in God's covenant, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Have we forgotten? I know that God is always and eternally faithful to their people, keeping always the covenants made with us even when we reject God and promote evil. We can always repent and return to the divine. But repentance requires we lay down that which hurts and harms, that we admit our wrongdoing and wrong speaking, and pick up peace, truth, justice. We cannot turn away from sin and turn to God at the same time. We may cry out, how long, O Lord? We can be assured that God hears us and feels our pain too. Why don't we listen when God responds, how long, my people? How long will you reject my spirit of peace moving in, among, and through you? We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, your own mother looked on when your life ended in violence. Our hearts are pierced with grief and anger at the mass shootings at Tops in Buffalo, at Geneva Presbyterian in Laguna Woods, at Robb Elementary in Uvalde. We commend the slain to your wounded hands and their loved ones to your merciful heart trusting only in the promise that your love is stronger than death, 
and that even now and always you live. Amen.